We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. This is Difference Makers. Welcome aboard. My pal Clark Hilton is producing Across the Glass. And my name is Mike Lee, Director of Local Ministries for True Talk 800, 93.9 KPDQ, AM 860, The Answer, The New KPAM, AM 1640, The Patriot, 93.1 L Ray, and 104.1 The Fish. And we want to use our events to bring people to your churches and buildings at no risk to you. If you'd like details on that and what it takes to host your own radio program, just send me an email to Mike Lee at kpdq.com. That's M-I-K-E-L-E-E at kpdq.com because we would love to help you expand the reach of your ministry or your business. I want to send a shout out to Comedian Nazareth and Mark Lee of Third Day who were simply amazing at the 2018 Pastors Appreciation Breakfast. And if you'd like to check out more of Mark... He's going to be in Bend on Saturday night, and Mark Lee also appears at Deaver Connor Calvary Chapel in Albany starting at 6 p.m. this Sunday night with more details at his website, marklee.me. That's marklee.me. It's taken a long time, but we finally have Pastor Rick McKinley in the studio alongside his daughter, Kaylee. You may remember Rick McKinley as the lead pastor and founder of Imago Dei Community, striving to love God, to love as God loves, and proclaim the whole gospel to the whole person, to the whole world, equipping people to become mature in Christ. Rick is also a writer of poems books and songs, as well as the new book, Faith for This Moment, which explores living faithfully and prophetically in today's tumultuous culture. So welcome, Kaylee, and welcome, Rick McKinley. How are you today, sir? Very good. Thanks for having me. Uh, It's such a pleasure to have you here, and although we missed you at the Pastor's Appreciation Breakfast, I admire you for taking some time off to be just Rick and Rick with his family. So you want to tell us where your sabbatical led you recently? Oh, yeah. We uh, got we were given a very gracious gift by the leadership of the church and had three and a half months for sabbatical. So my wife and I and my daughter Kaylee headed to Maui, and we were there for two months and then came back home and played, and now I'm back to real life here. So do you need a vacation to recover from your vacation, or do you feel fairly refreshed right now? I feel pretty good. I think I'm ready. Any good food that you're going to miss from the Hawaiian Islands? You know, they had a lot of food that was interesting, to say the least. (laughs) (laughs) Moco Loco. You know what that is? What is that? It is two hamburger patties, a fried egg, gravy on rice served for breakfast. Oh, that just sounds divine and decadent it all at once. It like sounds yeah, like a frat party uh, dare, but it, it was delicious. Yeah, the kind like when you go to the steakhouse and if you eat this crazy big piece of meat in an hour, you can get it free. Otherwise, you're paying 20 or 50 bucks for exactly. it. Exactly. 
That's what it reminds me of. So can you tell us about your latest book and how you were led to come up with the concept for Faith for This Moment? Well, the latest book is, as you said, Faith for This Moment. We've been pastoring here in Portland for almost 20 years, started the church in 2000. And as we have sought to really be faithful to the gospel and display it to the world, it's evident that we live in a cultural moment that is by far more polarized than it's been in at least several decades, if not longer. And I believe a lot of followers of Christ are wondering, how how do I be faithful to God in this moment? How do I not come off as totally offensive? How do I not just get assimilated to culture? And what does it mean to be the people of God right now? As I began to explore that question, how what does it mean to be the people of God, and looking back through Scripture, people of God have always found themselves in very tumultuous cultural moments. And one of the great themes of Scripture is the idea of exile, that the people of God literally going into exile in Babylon, but then metaphorically in the New Testament, Peter talks about it, Paul pretty much refers to it, And so this idea that we're in the world but not of the world, how do we imagine and practice our faith in a way that blesses the world but also is prophetic enough to be a witness to the world that there is another world and another king and another calling on our life, and that's the imminence and beauty of Christ. So was it a long time coming, the concept for this book? Because it seems so incredibly relevant to what's going on here today. Yes, I mean, I feel like we often live as missionaries in Portland. And so as we, as we serve in Portland, we often see it through the lens of a missionary. And so it's 20 years in the making, in a sense, uh, of wrestling with those questions and also putting it into language that I think people can grab onto. Um, it's easy sometimes to talk about missiological things with theologians, but if I'm just the average person, the question is, am I going to just baptize you know, Babylon or culture? Am I going to try to burn it to the ground and rebuild Christendom? Or am I going to follow Jesus and bless and resist? And what kind of practices as Jesus followers, have that faithful but prophetic edge to them. So we've been exploring that for a number of years at Imago and churches in Portland. And how long has it taken you to write this latest book, Faith for This Moment? It's probably been about two or three years of working with the material and uh, thank Jesus for wonderful editors (laughs) because the book reads much better because of them, so... Yeah, it it was finished a year ago and then came out, I think, just two weeks ago. So congratulations on that. Thanks. Thank Is it a rush much. for you when you release one of these books, one of your babies, so to speak? Yeah, it's a little vulnerable. Um, you know, you put it out there into the world and then it just sort of wait for the feedback, I guess. This is the sixth one, so... It has a little, you know, when we had our fourth child, there definitely wasn't as much shock and awe as our first two. We started with twins, 
So that was shock and awe to begin with. But well, did you have any twins in your family that, um, that had you expect twins? My wife had twins. Uh, my wife's family, but we were twenty two and twenty three years old, so we were not we were not quite at the maturity level <laughs> to have twins. But God gave us two beautiful boy and girl, Kaylee and Josh, and so the books are similar. But I don't think my wife would agree with that. <laughs> carrying around two babies at one time. There you go. Well, over the years, have any of your perspectives changed? For instance, he wrote the book, I Kissed Dating Goodbye. Josh Harris. He's a good okay. guy. So Josh Harris, now I believe in his 40s, has vastly different viewpoints than he did when he wrote I Kissed Dating Goodbye as a 20-something. And what I admire about him is he decided to open the floor and say, what did my book do to you? How did it affect you? And how do you think about it? Because I'm not the same person I was back in my 20s. So similarly, of the books that you've written, Rick McKinley, do you have any different stances or are you pretty much the same from when you wrote them? Yeah, and I, I've, I haven't changed any of the kind of ideas in theology. They're almost like building blocks. The first one felt like this is the gospel um, and then it went... W- to the book uh, Beautiful Mess, which is about the kingdom of God. And that was a beautiful kind of lens to see how we should love and serve the world around us. So not a ton has changed, but I do believe uh, clarity comes. And and um, clarity is so important when we are talking about how to follow Christ in this moment. So hopefully this one is the most timely of all of them. It's funny you mentioned you've started this probably a couple of years ago because I could think of few times in my 50-plus years where it would be more relevant to current events that the world is struggling with today. Mm-hmm. So, In terms of the, the book that I'm writing? Or, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think the polarization that we have uh, in the church, outside of the church, people feel that. And there is a longing, I believe, to be faithful to Christ. At the core, that's what the Holy Spirit draws us to. But I do think it's confusing for people. What does that mean? Does it mean voting a certain way? Does it mean doing just social justice issues? Or uh, does it mean affirming every sort of cultural value uh, to so that we can love Jesus, you know, love people like Jesus? I, I think I think there's confusion around that. So do you think it's more difficult in today's generation for our kids than it was perhaps for us growing up? I wasn't raised in the church, so um, that's always a blessing and a curse. I don't sort of come with any tradition that my mind wraps around, but I came with a whole bunch of other baggage. I think it's incredibly difficult in the technological sort of revolution where we're we're inundated with messages. We have distraction technology at our fingertips. It's not that it's evil, um, but it definitely, you know, vies for our attention. So things like meditate upon the word, contemplate, you know, I don't do that very well if I'm holding my cell phone. And most of us are always holding our cell phones. So I think it's just challenging today to think deeply about anything, let alone our faith. I know what I'd have to agree with you on that. We don't have as great a tendency to take time to pause 
and to enjoy silence. Something always has to be on, whether it's in front of us or whether we're listening to it or watching it. It, it seems a lot more pervasive than it was when, when I was growing up. Yeah, I mean, it went from sort of the remote control where you didn't have to get up and change the channel to now streaming anything you want, anytime you want, for and nonstop. You don't have to wait till next week <laughs> for the next episode. So the immediacy and availability of everything at once, uh, it's overwhelming. I don't know that our brains were built to navigate all those decisions and choices while simultaneously thinking deep thoughts about other things. So I, I would think it's, it's more difficult for our kids' generation to be able to, to take that time to themselves and ponder things and let events soak in and, and you know, fully conceptualize how they're going to react to them. Yeah, no question. I, I think arguments are made on Twitter and social media way before they're thought through. And then you can retweet it after you pick a side and, or share it. And, and, and there isn't conversation. It's not dialogue. It's monologue. So, yeah, the world is shouting. Uh, everyone is or isn't listening. And we're talking about this divine being who came into history and shared our humanity uh, died for our sins, heals our shame, rose from the dead, ascended to heaven, reigns as Lord. That is, that's a head full uh, to wrap your mind around, the mystery of the gospel, particularly when before you brush your teeth, you've already read so many feeds and news feeds and Twitter feeds and all that thing. So, so there, there is a challenge, and, and they're natives to that technology where most of us have you know, started adapting to it. They've been raised with it. So that's reality for them. So congratulations on returning from your sabbatical and a nice long trip. So when we return, I want to hear more about living faithfully and prophetically in today's tumultuous culture through your new book, Faith for the Moment. But I also want to find out more about what makes Rick McKinley tick and about founding Imago Day Community. So for any of our listeners who might be in between churches right now, would you like to give them an invitation? Oh, absolutely. We, uh, we meet in two locations. One location is David Douglas High School on the east side at 10 a.m., and then our other location is 1302 Southeast Ankeny, inner city, southeast Portland, uh, and we meet at 9 and 11 it's just a beautiful campus at Southeast 14th Avenue for the Central City Campus and the main office. And the East Side Gathering at David Douglas High School has its services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., 135th Avenue, just south of Stark Street. All the information will be up at truetalk800.com on the Difference Makers page. And to check out their website, idcpdx.com, that's idcpdx.com for Imago Day Community. When we return, more with Pastor Rick McKinley on Difference Makers. 
Welcome back to Difference Makers. I'm Mike Lee, and Faith for This Moment is the latest book exploring living faithfully and prophetically in today's tumultuous culture. It's from Rick McKinley, who is Imago Dei Community's lead pastor, overseeing the broader vision of church and works with its leadership to direct their mission of taking the whole gospel to the whole person to all of Portland. So, Kaylee and Rick McKinley, thanks for joining us today. It's great to be with you. We're very excited about Faith for This Moment, and at the same time, I want to turn the clock back a little bit. So, Rick, as the founder of Imago Dei Community, can you tell us where you grew up in the first place? Yes, I grew up in the Bay Area, uh, Concord, California, and then in high school, we moved to Sacramento. Uh, Graduated in 87, went to Chico State um because it was a big party school and that was sort of the life i was chasing uh dropped out came home and really hit a point where life seemed pretty meaningless and thought i need something and woke up one morning for no reason decided i need to go to church so i went to the closest church to my house and it happened to be palm sunday uh, I didn't. I had no clue what Palm Sunday. I literally thought they were going to read my palm, um, <laughs> which I know sounds ridiculous. But I, having never gone to church, never read a Bible, I didn't know anything. Um, but it was a perfect week for God to lead me to church because obviously I'm hearing all week long about Jesus coming living, dying for me, raising from the dead. And at the end of that week, I was I just said, yeah, I'm in, whatever that means. And nine months later, I was at Multnomah University. So how <laughs> old were you at this point after you had dropped out of Chico State, and then you really felt led to look for something? And yeah, this I was 19, led you to this church. 18, going on 19. Um at Chico, I remember there's a lot of sort of new age movement was big there and, and being, being attracted to whatever they were practicing. I, I remember coming home one day and trying to sit with my legs crossed and meditate. And uh, I'm a football player, lineman, so that was so painful just to put my knees like that that <laughs> I never, I wasn't really uh, doing the um, I was more like, ah. <laughs> so yeah, that, that didn't work. And then um, just just woke up and went to church and heard the gospel and gave my life to Christ. It was a pretty radical turnaround. Definite uh, Paul on Damascus Road sort of experience for me. So pastors, ministry leaders, wherever you are right now, whether you're seeing what you perceive in your head to be great successes or real low lows at your particular church. Just keep putting the truth of the gospel out there because you never know when the next Rick McKinley might just stumble into your church because he's looking for something. Absolutely. And, um, you know, they had no idea who I was and I had no idea who they were. But what's also interesting, I would say, for pastors – the pastors who impacted me at that church were so far from relevant uh, to to what I listened to or what I thought was cool or any of that. They loved Jesus. And I'll never forget, because after I put my faith in Christ, I got pretty depressed. And I went to this pastor. He gave me this giant picture book 
um, of a shepherd looks at Psalm 23. And it's pictures of shepherds and hills. And I come home with this, you know, coffee table book. My dad's looking at me like I've lost my mind. And I'm reading this thing, and it was the perfect thing that I needed to find that the Lord is with me in this valley. And and, and so the people that had the profound impact on my life weren't weren't trying to be cool to me. They were just faithful to Christ, and that was cool to me. That's what I wanted. So do you think there's a tendency, Rick McKinley, in the, in the modern American church to try perhaps a little too hard at times to be relevant to today's culture at the expense of the gospel? You know, I think relevancy is important, meaning if you were a missionary and you went to another culture, you would try to speak their language. You would try to uh, embrace certain customs. But the point of being relevant was so that you could influence that culture for Christ. And I think too often the church stops at relevancy and doesn't go on to influence. And I think influence is what the church needs to focus on. We are here to influence the world for Christ. Yes, we should do it in language they understand, and ways they understand it, um, but not just for the sake of being liked, you know? It really is for the sake of transformation. So how do you, as lead pastor of Imago Dei Community, strike that balance between relevancy and truth? You know, it always is a balance, so I don't know if you ever strike it uh, perfectly. We, we don't do anything very special in terms of Sunday. We have a liturgy that we go through, we can we sing praise song to God, we confess our sins, uh, we, we listen to the Word of God for about 40 minutes, and then we come to the communion table every week, the body and blood of Christ and the bread and wine, and there's something transcendent about holy scripture, holy prayers, uh, the holy sacrament, that, you know, we're not a Catholic church, we're not a high church, but that, that sense that, that there is grace that God infuses through word, sacrament, and prayer. That even if you're just like me, wandering into church with no clue, that transcendent experience that there's something bigger than just my world, I think is there. We shouldn't be ashamed of those things. I always make the comment that what we're trying to do at Imago is pull the curtain back on all that God is, the good, the bad, the ugly, but also pull the curtain back on our hearts, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And then we just get out of the way and let our hearts and the reality of who God is sort of stand with each other at communion. We're speaking with lead pastor Rick McKinley, the founder of Imago Dei Community, a church very well known nowadays as being so incredibly artistic and big. But back in November of 1999, that wasn't necessarily the case, was it? No. Back, uh, we moved my family, four kids, and my wife and I moved here. We were actually in La Grande, Oregon, a little tiny town that I was a youth pastor and associate pastor in for four years. We came back to Portland and uh, the week after Thanksgiving. So we spent a good nine months just trying to find 30 to 50 people that wanted to to start this church, start it in our living room, 
Uh, really just saying, God, you need to change our hearts so that we love the people you love. So did you enjoy your time at Multnomah after Chico State? Slightly different institutions, oh, right? Yes. I mean, it took me a while to get used to them and them getting used to me. Uh, I always tell the story. I told dirty jokes to teachers who, but I thought they were clean. Uh, that, And I look back and I just shake my head. The the beautiful thing is I was on faculty for seven years with some of those same teachers, uh, and they were very gracious to me. So, yeah, I mean, I grew up really at Multnomah, learned to think uh, about the gospel, learned that I had a head that could think, uh, which I didn't think I knew about through high school, definitely not at Chico, and um, just just matured in my faith. Several professors were just gracious to disciple me. I'd meet with them every week. Dave Needham and John Lawrence and Ron Frost and Gary Friesen and just guys that were so, so gracious to just a young guy who didn't have a clue. So as different as you were from the average Multnomah student, they just loved on you. Yeah, uh, they, they didn't. I mean, there was sort of like... You know, the RAs who are put in charge of the dorms, they were probably a little worried about me. <laughs> and uh, But the professors didn't really have that picture. I was only there. I got there in January. My wife and I got engaged in April, and that freaked everybody out. Uh, I didn't know. I had just become a believer. I thought, it's not good for man to be alone. <laughs> we need to move on. Let's do this thing. So, But I looked back on a picture of the day we were told we had to go see the dean because we got engaged. And I had a mohawk. I'm wearing a John Lennon T-shirt. you know, And I was trying to defend to him that I was spiritually mature. <laughs> but you know what's great is that him and I are friends to this day, and we look back and laugh on that moment. God was just very grace, gracious with me and my wife. So, so where had you met Jane? Was it at Multnomah? At Multnomah had all our classes together and uh and then we got married took a little bit of a break just to move back to california for six months so she could get to know my folks and came back and about a year later uh the twins came along so i was full-time school full-time at mount Tabor presbyterian church and she was full-time mom and somehow we survived it all i'm not really sure well, I love the fact that she took the time out to get to know your side of the family. Yeah. So he, really here you are, this this NorCal party boy who dropped out of Chico State, and then you came to know the Lord, went to Multnomah, got married, and had had kids. So how did your family, who did not raise you in a church, receive all of this drastic change in the life of Rick McKinley? <laughs> That's a great question. I mean, one of the beautiful things, my mom came to faith shortly after I did. I was able to lead her to the Lord, led my sister to the Lord. Um, my dad didn't want much to do with it, so he actually divorced my mom shortly after. Uh, their life got pretty tumultuous. Um, and so I think... Most of my family, and we have a large family, lots of uncles, cousins, grandparents, great-grandparents, they thought I was crazy on some fad. Uh, Rick went to Oregon to be a Jesus freak, you know. But but over time, they saw that it was actually changing my life, and uh, 
Yeah, they they grew to respect it. It was probably a decade before that, though. So here you are now as the lead pastor of Imago Day. So can you tell us about the transition from beginning a church out of your own living room to today's Imago Day community? Yeah, I mean, I, Imago has probably been five different churches over its, you know, 19 years almost. We, you have a, a small core group of people, 50 people that said, we're going to live this life together. Uh, when we started, it was so obvious that even though we talked a lot about reaching Portland, what we really wanted was a church that was like us. And so I didn't know what to do. I just knew that our hearts needed to change. So I called everybody to come on Wednesday nights and to repent, (laughs) which isn't an exciting way to start your church. But we did that for about nine months. And what was beautiful was to see their hearts change through the prayers. People who didn't like their neighbor, you know, started reaching out and loving their neighbor. And, And so authentic love for the people of Portland who weren't part of our church showed up because the Holy Spirit changed us. And then we really began to ask, what would it look like to be a church that if we ever left Portland, the city would miss us or protest besides parking, you know? And what's beautiful, I would say, is over the last 19 years, it's not just a MAGO that has that kind of relationship with the city, but it's literally tens and hundreds of churches that the city has said, we need to be in relationship with you. So obviously all the glory goes to God. Oh, for sure. But at the same time, are there any things that Imago Day has been involved with that you're especially proud of? Oh, there's so many beautiful things that God has done. We started a thing called Advent Conspiracy probably 10 years ago. And, That was just a way of saying, let's spend less at Christmas. Let's make Christmas about worship. Uh, Let's take the money we don't spend and give it to the least of these in the world. And and for over 10 years, thousands of churches jumped on board with that in, in 35 countries. And to this day, millions of dollars goes to clean water. More people are loving Christ. So these little things that God just sort of, blows fire, you know, blows fire on that turn into beautiful ministries. Embrace Organs, one of those two families in Portland start at Imago, start working with foster care, and pretty soon it just spreads throughout the whole city and state. So, yeah, letting the people of God decide what they're called to do, and we just sort of shepherd them as pastors, has created some incredible ministries that we never would have dreamed up. Well, thank you, Rick McKinley, for all you've done, not only with Imago Day Community, but Embrace Oregon. We're big fans of Embrace Oregon. So, friends, if you'd like to check out Imago Day Community at church, they're located on Southeast Ankeny Street at Southeast 14th in Portland with services at 9 and 11 Sunday mornings. Or you could check out their East Side Gathering at David Douglas High School on 135th South of Stark Street, and their services start at 10 a.m., Follow Imago Day Community on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. And when we return, more with Pastor Rick McKinley on Difference Makers. 
You're listening to Difference Makers, and today many Christians in America feel like exiles within their own country. But Pastor Rick McKinley's latest book addresses that. The name of the book is Faith for This Moment, and it explores living faithfully and prophetically in today's tumultuous culture. And Rick's greatest hope for his church, Imago Dei Community, is to see every single person free to live out their calling add into the beauty of Jesus, and together forming a community that radiates joy, faithfulness, and love. So, Rick, I can't thank you and Kaylee enough for coming in and visiting with us today. So, can you tell us what you do at Imago Day specifically to address diversity? Because there's so many churches out there where everyone you look around is a carbon copy of yourself. Yes. Um, well, for the first 12 years, we did nothing uh, at all, just... We were in Southeast Portland, kind of felt like uh, this is these are what the people around us look like. And uh, but I have really great uh, friends of color. One pastor in particular, Pastor Eric Knox, and uh, we began to dream about what it would look like to start to address that issue. And he came on staff uh, about five years ago, and. It was very prophetic because we began a conversation internally with our church around the issues of race uh, just before it really became a national conversation. And, and so we were in those moments of tragedy with shootings, um, and, and, and we had an authentic way to talk about it. So I think, I think some of the challenge for churches like a white church that's been around for so long is how do you authentically do that uh, in, through relationship? Because I don't think you can just sort of hire all the right people of color and expect something authentic to take place. We... So we've been on a journey for about five years. I don't think we've figured a ton out, but we've made some great strides. Uh, there's lots of questions, lots of failures, lots of hard conversations. But the belief and the conviction was if the gospel is true, and we really believe it, which all churches profess, then it should be true enough to bring us together and make us one. I'd have to agree with you on that, Rick. I can't back this biblically, mind you, but I imagine someday when I get to heaven that it's going to look like the DMV on a Friday afternoon, a complete train wreck of society, ethnically, socioeconomically, age-wise. It's going to be completely all over the place. So I guess my question for you is, how do we as the church, as brothers and sisters in Christ, effectively reach out to and love on people that we have little to nothing in common with? Well, I think, first of all, figuring out how do we do that inside the church. Um, because I, it's just very difficult in our American individualistic culture to truly love and accept and embrace people who are different or who hold differences of opinion. And Yet, we speak this common creed, uh, the Apostles' Creed, for instance. We're going to be going through that this week. But it's, we believe, I believe in this one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And then we diverge at every other little issue. And so what we're calling ourselves to, first and foremost, is to say, no matter how you vote, what color, ethnicity, you know, 
we are one and let nothing separate what God put together. And unfortunately, we've let so many things separate us. If we can figure out inside the church, then I do believe, particularly in this moment of culture where we're so polarized that we have something to offer to the world. These are people who disagree on all kinds of issues, but they found a way to love one another because they have something bigger than the issues. And that love of Christ and of each other, at least we can hold that in common no matter how politically slanted we may vote. Yeah, absolutely. And I think rather than trying to create uh, you know, one sort of mushy collective where all the differences get droned out, we're really saying, no, we are different and hold those distinct differences. Those need to be here. And yet we're bigger than our differences. And so we need to love each other in that way. And there's a power to it when we can actually do that. It just means we need to stay at the table and not leave at the first chance that I'm offended, uh, that I need to speak, even though I know I'm going to stumble over myself. And all that Jesus gave us was repentance, forgiveness, and reconciliation. So we're not going to fix all of our disagreements and differences, but we are going to be brothers and sisters who repent when we've sinned against each other, forgive one another, and then reconcile because we're one in Christ. So earlier on, Rick McKinley, you'd mentioned a bunch of men from Multnomah who'd really taken you under their wing and helped to mentor you. So were there any other mentor figures in your life that really helped build you up in Christ? Um, I, you know, I've gotten the pleasure of meeting some really amazing people. Tim Keller is one of those uh, who became a friend and uh, I... You know, he would never say mentor, but when you look up to somebody like that that's wise uh, and, and great. Eugene Peterson mentored me from afar through his books, but um, but also, you know, got to know him a little bit. Uh, James Houston, he founded Regent Seminary, Regent College. He's in his 90s. He grew up, uh, he hung out with Tolkien and C.S. Lewis back when he was an Oxford Don, uh, so I feel like I have so many mentors. Some are dead because they've mentored me through their books. Uh, and then others I've have mentored me from afar, but, but yeah, just tons of people. One woman, Diane Lindstrom, who was a spiritual mom to me, she passed away of uh, Lou Gehrig's disease about five years into the church, but profound impact on who I am today. So, Rick, your latest book is Faith for This Moment. So let me ask you, what's on your bookshelf lately? What books have impacted you over the years, and what are you interested in today? Well, I was just in Maui for two months, so I read a whole bunch of novels <laughs> that were just completely about nothing, uh, really resting well. But, um, you know, I tend to read uh, deeply about theology, so... Lots of dead theologians, um, and then secularism and philosophy and stuff. So my bookshelf's not super fun or trendy, but um, yeah, I usually never recommend the books I read because very few people would want to read them. <laughs> I try to mine them and put them in human language. 
I'm glad that you're enjoying them, Rick McKinley. <laughs> so I'm glad that your church and your loved ones went so far out of their way to give you a deliberate and long break. Do you see a lot of your contemporaries working in ministry being able to take that time of rest? You know, probably not as much as I would hope. It's challenging, particularly if you're a, a church with just one or two staff people to to give that break, both financially for the church, it's hard uh, for the time, but there's a reason that the Lord told his people to rest. Uh, Sabbath is one of the most prophetic things we can do in a distracted culture that never stops and never unplugs. And even for pastors to take that extended break and to realize you're not God and you're not the one that's saving this church. Uh, And God, surprisingly, still shows up every Sunday, even if you're not there. It's good for your soul, but it's also good for the church's soul to realize, you know, we are the priesthood of believers. We're being equipped to do the work of the ministry. We aren't just vendors of religious goods and services. So, We're here to be a family and to do this work for Jesus, not for our pastor. There's just something powerful that takes place when we obey God, even though it seems like an idea that's going to ruin everything. You know, everyone will leave and nothing will get done. And the opposite normally is true. Well, you lead a big, busy, crazy life, not only as a pastor, but also as a husband and as a father. So have there been any seasons for you, Rick McKinley, where it was tough to turn things off and force yourself to rest? Yeah, when we were planting the church, it was just, it was crazy. The things that we did do, though, is before we started, my wife and I agreed that I'd only be out two nights a week uh, at the most. Uh, we, We put some hedges and some boundaries up and stuck to those. And those protected a lot of time. The hard work is when you are at home, are you really at home? Are you checking your phone? Are you thinking about this? Are you emailing? And so that internal work of saying, God, I need to stop. Uh, But putting up the boundary sure does help. Yeah, that's the tough one. I'd say it was speaking truth and love, but one of the toughest statements I needed to receive from my beloved wife was, you know what? Sometimes when you're here, you're really not here. Not here. Yeah. And, and that, that bruised me, but in a good way. So I'm trying to be more deliberate. I'm fairly bad at leaving the office on time, and I live an hour away, so I need to work on that. Feel free to hold me accountable to that, friends. But <laughs> Rick, who, do, who holds you accountable? Who are your go-to people? Who can you lift up and be lifted up by when it comes to the everyday dealings of life? Well, I have some great pastors that are on my staff that help with that. I have a spiritual director named Paul Rhodes, who I meet with every couple weeks. My wife is obviously amazing at it, and my best friend and spiritual director, too. Uh, and, And I say to pastors, you know, there's times where... Your elders are, you know, your board and your boss in a sense, and other pastors are also employees. And if you need to pay a little money and go sit with a counselor and be you and be unplugged from all the expectations and roles, then you should do it. And I have had uh, several different men that I've sat with, and, you know, I'm not ashamed to say it because. I need to just be Rick for my soul's sake. 
you know, if that makes sense. So do you think that we in the church are healthy enough when it comes to taking pauses and finding help, even when there's no immediate major problem? No, <laughs> I don't think we're great at that. I mean, if you think about the number one sin that the church commits on a regular basis, it's probably the failure to observe Sabbath. It's the failure to rest. And as pastors, we are so guilty because we make you busy. We say, hey, don't forget to be at this on Wednesday night and come to this. And then you're also taking your kids everywhere. And to really say, as a community of faith, we're going to unplug from technology, we're going to have great meals, we're going to sit around tables, but today is about remembering that God is the one running the world, and we get to enjoy it. So thank you so much, Kaylee and Pastor Rick McKinley, for taking time out of your busy lives to spend with us. In the last two minutes before we land the plane, what do you like doing in your free time, Rick McKinley? Oh, you know, recently I have bought a motorcycle. It's actually a trike, so I don't know if I fully get into the club. But my daughter and I like to take rides on that. You like to ride the trike, don't you? Uh, We got three dogs for some reason, and uh, so we like to play with the, the pup. We just got a black lab puppy that's taking up lots of time. In fact... You know, when we're not enjoying her, I'm thinking to myself, why would I pay money to bring an animal into my house? And isn't this why we built houses, to keep animals out as she tears up everything in the house? So, love to do that, to hunt and fish and read and uh, drink good coffee and hang out in Portland. Love the beach at Cannon Beach. My wife and I had our first date there, and we pretty much go there all the time, so... I love Cannon Beach. There's just something therapeutic about being out there among the vast ocean. Yeah, it's beautiful. Check out his latest book, Faith for This Moment, Exploring Living Faithfully and Prophetically in Today's Tumultuous Culture. And Rick, on our way out, would you like to invite our listeners to see you at Imago Day Community? Yeah, I'd love for you to come out. Um, This Sunday, we've just started a series called Belonging to the People of God and What Does It Really Mean to... Be faithful in our present moment. And so we're going to look at the Apostles' Creed this week at 9 a.m. at our Central City campus down on 14th and Ankeny. And 9 and 11 and then 10 a.m. as well. We'll be hitting that series in uh, David Douglas. Thank you so much, Kaylee and Rick McKinley, for joining us today. Make sure to follow Imago Day PDX on Instagram and Twitter. And on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube, it's Imago Day Community. Their website is idcpdx.com. So check out the book, Faith for This Moment, from Pastor Rick McKinley. Thank you so much for joining us on Difference Makers. Thank you for having me. It was great to be with you. And thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.